Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, the offseason still marching on. But again, we are bringing back one of our favorite guests, Evan Rao from Colorado Hockey. Now, Evan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us. How are you doing today? I'm good. Just uh, we're in the middle of the nothingness now. Yeah, (laughs) that's the best way to put it. It is the the void of the offseason. It's I, I honestly this is the worst part because it, when it's still July, you still think stuff can happen. At least in August, you know that like nothing's coming and you don't need to think about it. But you're still on guard enough in July that you have to at least somewhat be paying attention. Yeah, and I mean the Avs finished their business today, so yeah. Now, it's, now it's just a waiting. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's 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 one of those things. So the Avs. We'll we'll talk about a little bit. Ben Myers signs for one year, uh, so that's good. So that leaves the Abs with about two million dollars to spend for the before the start of the season. Who do you have your eye on as a potential player or players that the Abs could have with that extra money? Um, I mean, you always, I mean, at this point, you're sniffing around Tarasenko and seeing if he's interested in a cheap one year deal. But I think it's more likely that you know a guy like Thomas Tatar, who's been a consistent point producer through his career he's probably not getting a big contract at this point uh i mean my my choice would be pious suitor if you're looking for a forward because he kind of fills a little bit of everything um but if I, if they could go defense too i think they need a defenseman um but it's it's a little slim pickings on defense in the free agent market yeah who not, even is left as a defenseman left. griffin yeah who isn't who even left um caleb jones yeah. Would be one, but Ethan Bear would probably be the one, but he's hurt until December, so mm-hmm. there's no real rush with something like that. Yeah, you, you oh. kind of you're kind of taking what you can get at this mm-hmm. point with the defense. But when you look at what the Abs have done so far this offseason, all the moves they've made, the trades they made, what's the one that sticks out to you as the one that's going to make the biggest impact this coming season? Um, well, I I love the whole swap new hook for draft picks and turn around and pick up Ross Colton for that second round pick. I thought that was just 
I wrote before, like three weeks before they started doing anything. I, th- I thought because at the deadline you saw a lot of three team trades, like teams getting creative and trying to with whatever cap space they had. I felt like McFarland had to start getting creative, um, and he did that this summer. I think he, I mean, he got Johansson for basically nothing, and then he swapped Newhook for picks and immediately turned around. And I think for the what they're looking in that third line role, I think they they upgraded. Um, now you are banking on, I mean, new hook could go to Montreal and become a, a, a much better player, which is e- extremely possible, but for what they want right now, I think the Ross cold move is, is a tremendous move. Yeah, I, I totally well, agree with that. And when you look at the, the contract that Colton got this off season as an RFA, do you think that a $4 million bet is fair based on what we've seen from him in the past, or are they just going to be banking on him to increase that production with an increased role? Yeah, it's it's a little bit more than I think most people thought, but not by too much. I, I kind of pegged it around three and a half million, so it's not too bad. You're paying for those UFA years, which was three. So I think the comfort and the cop deals over the last two years have kind of came into play there. So it's not terrible, but they are obviously banking on him. He's probably going to have a much bigger role, play more at even strength. Um, I could see them trying him on the penalty kill. So they're they're just banking on maybe his production going up with more ice time. Because the analytics back that up, that he 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 has a chance to really, with more ice time, really take it to the nether, a next like the next level of his play. So the four million dollar bet seems fair, but you're the first I've heard. I I didn't anticipate him to be on the penalty kill because I think Griffin was talking about a couple of weeks ago. His defensive metrics aren't the greatest. No, they're not, and Miles Woods aren't either. So, but the reality is they they traded for both those guys and. Or they, I guess they signed Miles Wood, but you get rid of JT and Comfer, somebody's gotta try yeah. and play on the penalty kill. So I think for what they're paying for, paying him, I think they're gonna at least give it a shot. Um, he may not work out in a penalty killing role, but I think they're gonna give it a shot. I, they have to. That's one thing I think they've kind of got to figure out the start of the year is who's gonna kill penalties because Comfer led the team in shorthanded time on ice per game. And that penalty kill wasn't the greatest last year to start. So that's a little concerning. I think it, what was that one point Griffin? Like 52% was what their penalty kill rate was for like the first two weeks of the season. Yeah. For the start of the season, it was like very comfortably dead last for a, a uncomfortably long time during the start of the season. But Evan, you brought up uh, Ryan Johansson, who I kind of feel like has been getting a little buried over the last couple of weeks because of the subsequent moves that the Avalanche made and some people kind of forgetting that we made this move at all. Do you think Ryan Johansson has it in him still at still only 30 years old, but last season dealt with a pretty major injury and only 28 points in 55 games, but only one season removed from 63 points in 79 games what version of Ryan Johansson do you think we can expect to see in Colorado this year? Well, if he's if he's got any ability left, he's going to be put in the best situation possible, really. Like, I imagine Miko Randon's going to be on his wing a good portion of the time because we saw Miko and Nate were broken up for most of the regular season last year. Um, and then you th- you think about a guy like a Nachushkin or a Lekkonen on the other wing who can do a lot of the dirty work, so... Um, he's going to get an opportunity to show that he can produce. I mean, JT Comfort put up 50 points playing with those guys last year. Um, if if Ryan Johansson can't do that, then I think the team is probably going to have some issues this year. Um, but, I mean, he's going to be in, put in the best possible position there. And it's, it's 
he is one year removed from that, but it's been three of the last four years that just haven't been very good. So you're kind of concerned about, you know, if he still has it in him and he's coming off a pretty, I mean, it's not a major injury. It wasn't slicing his Achilles tendon, but a skate slice is not exactly the best thing to come back from when you're maybe not the best skater in the first place. So, well, I mean, look um, what happened with Gabe Landeskog when it yeah. came to that, with the skate slash. Yeah. So it's, it, that's going to be interesting to watch. He said he's going to be probably a hundred percent by now, I think is when we talked to him last month or in May, whenever that was, uh, when we talked to him. So, um, yeah, I, he's, he's falling under the radar just because I think people are just, they more so than like Colton. I feel like Colton, the position you're putting him in, you're asking him to do probably what he can do at his, this point in his career with Johansson. You just don't know. So it's just kind of a wait and see situation. Yeah. And, and with Colton, if Johansson for whatever reason can't live up to those expectations, do you think Colton has the ability to step into that top six at all? Is that anything that we should get our hopes up on that he has that ability or should that be something we temper? Um, I would probably temper it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens because I could, I could very easily see Ross Colton becoming kind of like JT Comfort has been the last few years where he's just a Swiss army knife where they're going to put him anywhere that they feel is necessary because he's played wing, he's played center. So um, it's just a, as a two C Ross Colton's not much of a puck distributor. He's a shooter. Um, and we talked about his defenses and his metrics aren't great, but um, doesn't mean he can't do it in new, new environment, but um, you're asking you're, I guess in the third line role, I feel very comfortable with him in the, t- the second line role. Maybe not so much. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at with him too, but it wouldn't surprise me with just Johansson's injury history that he's playing top six role. Um, Another free agent sign, you kind of touched him a little bit with Miles Wood. Uh, I think there was a little bit of caution from Avs fans when they saw a six-year deal for a player like Miles Wood. What should Avs fans know about Miles Wood other than the fact he takes an enormous amount of penalties? (laughs) What else should they know about him? Um, so the, the thing about Miles Wood and Ross Colton is that they both are great on the four check and they're, they play a heavy game. Um, uh, Miles Wood, it doesn't quite hit as much as Ross Colton does, but I think they saw in the bottom six in the playoffs last year, it just wasn't, wasn't good enough and it wasn't big enough. So I think they just wanted to change the whole makeup of the team. Um, and Miles Wood for, for a big guy, he's a really good skater. So you're adding size and you're adding speed to the bottom six. Now, he was pretty much a fourth liner on New Jersey last year. So you're also asking him to maybe play a bigger role. Um, but I, I tend to, you know, trust the Avs pro scouting staff these days. Cause they kind of, they know pretty what they're good. looking for. Yeah. Um, and their analytics guys target very specific skills. And Miles Wood is very good at that. He, he, he drives play a lot with the shots um, and he is good on, uh, on the four check with retrieval. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out, but, you know, that's another risk. I mean, they're not paying him much, but six years is a long time to commit to a third liner. Yeah, I just imagine Jared Bednar's reaction to Miles Wood taking a second offensive zone penalty in the game, and I, I don't imagine that being a uh, a good reaction from Jared Bednar. Yeah, that's gonna he's gonna have to clean that up. Yeah, because it, it's I I've watched a lot of the Devils games because they they won me a lot of money a couple of years ago because no one really bet on them, and I always liked Miles Wood. Um, it's just the the six years is like you said, it's a really long time for a third liner. And we've kind of seen, cause it isn't, what did uh, the Rangers sign Goudreau for? I think it was and six. they're already trying to get I out of that. I think that was six years. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a lot more money, but they're already trying to get out of that deal because he hasn't lived up to expectations. So there is a little bit of caution with that, but like you said, the abs pro scouting department 
Uh, they nailed it with Georgiev. They nailed it with Kadri. Like they, they know what they're doing. So I feel confident in that, but it is six years, a long time. Yeah. And I can't remember Gaudreau's, um, cap hit off the top of my head, but I can get it for him, for wood to live up to two and a half million. It really wouldn't take too much. I don't feel like, like if he gets around 30 points, then you're, you're probably pretty happy. Yeah. And for Gaudreau, it was 6.341 for holy shit. So not cheap for when my, so for miles wood, when you consider the two and a half and the raising salary cap, it is uh, significantly better than that still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. What did Blake Coleman end up signing for? Oh, I think All right, we're, we're getting off track. Get, yeah, get, getting getting off track. I'm going to look that up. We do this a lot, but it was also <laughs> 4.9 for six years. Okay. For Coleman. This is what okay. we do a lot on the show. Evan, we get off track <laughs> pretty easily. Yeah, That's okay. We go down a lot of rabbit holes on here. But yeah, with Miles Wood, I think you both bring up a very interesting point is that Miles Wood has been a target for this team for a long time in a lot of trade deadlines and a lot of off seasons. And it seemed like he was almost their first priority when free agency finally became available. And if he's able to bang in around 15 goals a season, and it's like you mentioned, Evan, against Seattle, there just there wasn't a lot of threats from the depth in that series and hopefully miles wood can be someone that can provide for that. And also, even if things truly go badly with him, I don't think two and a half if for let's say two years down the line with four years left would be the most impossible thing to get out of regardless. Yeah. And I mean, the thing against, you know, down the stretch and in the playoffs, it wasn't just that they weren't scoring the bottom six is that they just weren't generating any momentum or any offense. So with Miles Wood and Ross Colton, they can at least they'll generate shots. And at the very least, you need some sort of momentum from your bottom six. Right. And to move on to another uh, move, the Avalanche made this offseason, probably the most interesting one and could have the most interesting results is Jonathan Drouin, who Nathan McKinnon's line mate in juniors, who's had a, a rough go of it in Montreal for the last couple of years for a multitude of reasons. He's coming in here on a very cheap contract that seems very low risk. But it almost seems like the plan for him is to play a lot of those top six minutes with Nathan McKinnon. How do you ultimately feel about the signing? And do you think that he's going to be capable of handling those kinds of minutes? Um. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch because um, like we were talking about beforehand, I, I just got done watching seven Montreal games and all of his shifts. Um, and the, the skill is still there. He can still see the ice really well. He's a good passer. Um, but there's definite holes in his game. He's he's pretty soft. Um, he gets knocked off the puck easily, and he's not, you know, super great defensively. So um, he he doesn't take a lot of penalties, but he doesn't draw a lot of penalties. So it kind of evens out there. But it's just a matter of, you know, is he going to be able to do enough away from the puck to earn Jared Bednar's trust? Because you know, just being Nathan McKinnon's buddy is not going to cut it. Like he's got to produce and he's got to play well. So. Um, I imagine he's going to get a shot with McKinnon, but you know I've been looking at the lineup, and if he doesn't work out with McKinnon, I actually think his best shot is playing with Wood and Colton because those two can do a lot of the dirty work. They're big guys; they can handle themselves, um, but they're they're shooters; they're not passers. And he's a he's a distributor, so I think he would fit well with them. If if he's not with McKinnon, that might be his best shot at you know sticking with the team for a while. Yeah, and I, I want to continue on that idea of Drouin going down to the third line. If he does that, the way this lineup stands right now, who would be his replacement into the top six at the moment if Lekkonen bumps up to that first line with McKinnon? Um, 
would they just go out and have to address that still in free agency if Druan doesn't ultimately work out in the top six? Yeah, because there's really not anybody on the team right now. Like you're not, I mean, you could throw Logan O'Connor. They haven't been afraid to throw him up there, but that's not a solution. Um, and that's where, you know, maybe this cap space comes into play where it's, you got 2 million, you can kind of wait out the market here and see what happens. Because if you have Thomas, like say a Thomas Tatar um, filling in on that, like Drew Ryan doesn't work out in the top six and you have a Tatar and you throw him in the top six, you feel pretty good still. And so they just don't have that fallback right now. So that's kind of one of the questions that's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to, you know, if Johansson doesn't work out, I think they have a lot bigger problems. Whereas Drew Ryan, it's like, well, he's making almost league minimum and he's a winger. Like you can, you should be able to find some wingers somewhere so they can get around that. But, you know, they just don't have a lot of, they don't really have another guy to fill in that top six right away. It, and it could be Colton, you know, it could be Colton because Drew N in these games I've been watching, he did still play a fair bit of center in Montreal. So Colton can move around too. Do you think with Drew Ann coming to a team that's actually competitive, that may increase a little bit of his production? Because I mean, he, he didn't really play for Montreal when they had their, their Stanley cup run, I believe. Was he in the player assistance program or was he? Uh, I think he had just stepped away personally okay. yeah um, yeah i don't know if he was ever in player assistance he may not have been i I just remember he he didn't play yeah so do you think him coming into a a championship ready team that kind of reinvigorates him a little bit because he hasn't really been on one since he was with tampa yeah i mean coming from montreal to colorado is going to be a big culture change for him um on the ice off the ice um he's probably going to learn pretty quickly that media yeah. here is a lot different than in montreal which might be the best thing for him um, where he's not getting dragged down as much, but yeah, I mean, th- with a culture change, you have to be ready for that. Like I'm sure McKinnon's going to be in his ear all year. Like you got to be ready when the season starts. Like we have a, you know, we hold people to a standard and you have to be ready for that. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can, you know, come to camp ready and show that he's capable of being that guy still. Cause if he, if he turns out to be 40 to 50 points and you're paying him less than a million, that's a home great. Run. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Probably, I've probably. always wondered that with like, when you talk to journalists about that, like it is your guys's job to write about the players, but also at the same time, you're trying to build relationship with those players. So they give you exclusive stuff. So I've always found that relationship fascinating and the Canadian media just scares the hell out of me. I couldn't imagine me like playing in Canada. Well, it's more that there's just not nearly as many of us here in Colorado. Like, yeah. I mean, Lecky's pretty guarded like he's very quiet but I'm sure a lot of that comes from just playing in Montreal where if you say one thing it maybe can extrapolate from there but it's more that there's just he's not going to be hounded in the room every day like yeah that's just how it's going to be fair point fair point yeah yeah and I agree with that I mean all of the moves I think make the team better do you feel like they did a good enough job at least trying to replace what Gabe Landeskog brings to this lineup by committee. Do you agree with kind of spacing out all of the moves into maybe three or four separate players instead of putting it all into to one guy? I think it makes sense whether or not they found the right players, you know, because 4 million of that is Johansson. So if he doesn't work out, then that's kind of a big issue. But um, I think spreading it out makes a lot of sense just because of how much depth issues the team had last year. Like just going out and finding one top six guy would have been I mean, it would have helped dramatically, but then you're looking at a third line of, you know, 
Ben Myers, you might've had to resign like a Lars Eller. You'd be looking at issues like that. So spreading it out makes a lot more sense. So, and they still have a little bit of money to use if they want to. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's one or Christian, go ahead if you want. Oh, no, I was just gonna ask like, what do you think is, cause we had heard that there's a couple of guys who are going to have a chance to earn a roster spot. Who, who is your favorite coming out of, out of camp that you would say is more than likely going to make the opening night roster of like the Malinskis, um, the Olafsons, and uh, the foodies. I mean, at this point I, I kind of have Olafson penciled in because they, they went out and they acquired him and they really only have 11 forwards. He would be the 12th. Um, but anyone can kind of earn that spot. I've liked, you know, Chris, Chris Wagner, they brought him back. He's got 300 NHL games. We know, Bedner likes veterans. It wouldn't surprise me to see him make the team out of camp. Um, I've talked about Andre Pavel a little bit where he fits a very specific role. Um, he He's probably not going to provide a whole lot of offense, if any, but he can win faceoffs and kill penalties, which they might be interested in. So it's interesting. If, if anyone's going to break into that top nine, I think it's going to be Foodie um, because he's a right shot and he – you know, if you want to move O'Connor down to the fourth line and put Foodie with those two guys, um, Colton and Wood, he makes the most sense because he's also a puck distributor and he can carry the puck. So that makes sense. But, you know, I it's just so hard to predict because the abs, right. I can't remember the last time. They just don't break camp with a lot of young guys on their team. So it's just very difficult to predict. Yeah, feels like we have this conversation a lot most seasons, like which guy is going to make the, the team out of camp every year like last year we're talking pretty much from September to the start of the season about Martin Cout and then you pretty much start the season with with all veterans but Kristen did you have anything to, to finish on that before I move on yeah no I mean it's you had talked about the trade for new hook um and moving for those draft picks do you think the Avs did the right thing by not trading one of those first round picks for another piece because I I think we were talking on the show we expected the Avs to at least trade one of those picks and it was a little surprising that they, that, that they kept them. Um, I expected them to trade one of them as well, but there, there just haven't been a lot of trades. Like I think we had this hyped up as this was going to be a big summer of trades. Yeah. Calgary is going to move everybody. Cause nobody wants to stay there. Winnipeg is going to have to move a bunch of guys. Um, and here we sit Dubois gone um, to Foley got traded, but Calgary still has, pretty much their entire team intact. Um, a lot of unrestricted free agents and Winnipeg hasn't even traded Hellebuck. So I think it's just that there isn't a huge market for trades right now. And maybe teams are asking for too much, but I think it just comes down to also cap space. Nobody has it and nobody can really like, if you have a first round pick and you know, a team, you know, you know, I guess maybe they're in cap trouble. Like you're, you're probably going to try to negotiate for something less than a first round pick. You're not just going to give them the first round pick. So I think it's a little bit of everything. I was a little surprised that they didn't trade it, but there just haven't been a lot of trades since right before the draft. Yeah. And what there was always a quote from uh, Brian McClellan, the Capitals GMs, like they they've been reportedly in on a top six winger forever. But when they were talking about the draft, he said they did a lot of work, but like a lot of other teams, stuff just didn't materialize. And I imagine with the avalanche, with those first round picks, I imagine they tried, but mm-hmm. there just didn't seem to be a whole lot of stuff out there at the moment, or at least not deals to be made at the draft. And I would argue you you move 37 instead of 31. It's, you know, it's six picks. You add a few more teams to the mix. That would have been a first round pick anyway. And 
ultimately they do get Ross Colton for it, but I think we both were surprised that they didn't move either one at the end of the day. But when you look at uh, Guliev and you look at uh, uh, Callum Ritchie, did you like those picks for the Avalanche? Do you think they can turn into anything in the near future? Um, I was not a huge Callum Ritchie fan just coming into the draft, to be honest. Um, but you also have to take into account that he played pretty much the entire year hurt. So you don't really know, like he was very highly touted coming into last year. It's just, you know, he was playing all year hurt. So you don't know what was the injury and what was just him not playing well. So the Avs are banking on him getting healthy and recovering. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, hopefully he's healthy by rookie camp. He said he thinks he's going to be, but that's kind of going to be the first, um, I guess, checkpoint there to see if he can bounce back. Um, and then Guliev, I, I love it. That's a swing for skill. If you have two first round picks, that's what you do. You go for skill. And I think they did that there. And um, I had heard the other name I heard. Oh, I can't remember. He, he's from Michigan. Though. He was Fantilli's line mate. And I think he got drafted by Columbus in the second round too. So he was a smaller oh, yeah, forward. Was that, um, uh, was that Brindley? Basically, I had heard if they were going to keep that second first round pick, that he was going to be the guy. Like that they were just going to go for skill, which I agree with. If you have two first, go for skill. Yep. I agree with that. And then it, it, I like the picks that they made. I'm a big fan of, of Gulia. But when we're talking about uh, this team and guys who can make the the team and rookies of that kind, the Avalanche, they they took care of some business over the last couple of days, stuff that's been rumored for a little bit. And they finally go out and sign Nikolai Kovalenko from the KHL, who they drafted in the sixth round, I believe, in 2018 to a two-year contract. Now, this is obviously one of the biggest wild cards for this upcoming season. Uh, he's going back to the KHL on a loan until that season ends in around March, but obviously the playoffs could go farther than that. And like I said, he's a huge wild card for this upcoming season. When the KHL season eventually ends and Kovalenko makes his way over to the NHL, what can Avs fans expect from that? Can they expect a guy who's going to jump right into the lineup and be an immediate impact player? Or is it going to be an instance where it still takes a little bit of time? Um, I mean, we're talking about that third line spot with Wood and Colton and who would fit there. Like Kovalenko, it's a shame that he can't come over right now because I think he would be a perfect fit with those guys. Like he can play their style. He can grind it out, but he's a distributor. Um, so... I think he would fit really well there. I think he's a set it, set and forget NHL player today. Um, I, you know, I think people, the hype maybe has gotten a little out of hand as far as like people throwing Kaprizov's name out there. Like <laughs> let's, so we should, I would say be a little realistic because um, if you look at, you know, compare Kaprizov's last KHL year, I think he scored 33 goals and 27 <laughs> of them came at even strength. Whereas Kovalenko scored 20 and 12 were at even strength. So there's um, th there's a little bit of a difference between these guys offensively. What gets you excited about Kovalenko is that is the other things that he does. He's not, you know, the like people would have a stereotype of Russian forwards. He's not that type of guy. He he grinds it out. He's a bull on skates. Um, he's a tank, just like his dad was. He's a small guy who's built really well. Um, he kills penalties. He hits everything inside, and he back checks really hard. So I think. Once Jared Bednar, and I'm sure he's watched a lot of tape of the guy because the way that it's working out, like they're signing him and they know that once he comes over, he's going to be in the NHL. It's not something that you can just like put him in the AHL because otherwise he wouldn't have signed. Um, I think once Jared Bednar gets his eyes on him, he's going to love him because he's going to be 
you know, similar in that vein of Nachushkin and Lekkinen, where he's going to forecheck to hell, and coaches love that. That's going to be odd. We, we needed another guy who could forecheck to hell with on this team with those two guys you just mentioned. I love the tweet you put out yesterday, too, uh, that model that said uh, he has a chance to be a, a star player. Um, mm-hmm. But if if what he turns out to be is just a really solid middle six forward, that's exactly what the Avs need. They don't need any more star power on this team. They got plenty of star power. So I like that thought process of plug and play him in the third line. And if he works with uh, Wood and uh, Colton, that, that's an even bigger win. But essentially, this contract is, what, one one year because his the contract already started, right, based on his age? Yeah, so it, okay. it's already started. Um, but the two-year thing is a big deal because um, basically how it worked is that they his, his contract in the KHL got terminated. So if the Avs had waited until you know, the end of the season and tried to sign him and get him over right away. It would have been a one-year ELC and he would have burned it right away. Like if he had come over and played. So essentially you're adding a year onto that, which kind of helps with the salary cap and everything, just having a a cheap player for two seasons from now. Um, And it also adds, I guess, you know, it's good for the Avs essentially. So um, it's, it's very diplomatic move by the Avs and, you know, I'm sure Kovalenko said, Hey, I want to come over, but I, I had intentions of playing in the KHL this year. So the Avs are being smart with Kovalenko. They're saying, okay, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But they're also maybe looking down the line because they just drafted Guliyev where they're, you know, keeping relations open with these KHL teams and saying, hey, we're open to everything, you know. But, you know, just something to keep in down the line. But, you know, it is it is a very smart move the way that they've gone about it by getting that contract terminated and essentially securing that he's their property as soon as that KHL season ends. So that, that's the interesting part I'm trying to figure out with the KHL. Is there not like just buyout clauses that these NHL teams could pay these KHL teams for these players? Or is it just because of the relationships, like the the geopolitical stuff going on, that it's not as normal? There's no transfer agreement anymore. There used to be a transfer agreement um, and it went away. I want to say around kind of when everything, all this stuff started. Okay. So because there was no transfer agreement, like, if if he was under contract in the KHL, there, you know, there probably wasn't much they could really do. Okay, I've always wondered because I it's I think of it like what I do with like soccer players, where it's like the the team that's buying that player just pays that other team an an enormous fee, and a, it's all good, and that player goes over there. That's how it used to be. Like they used to be able to buy out a, a Russia contract, but not anymore. Oh, but the way that it's worked out, I would say is probably best case scenario for the Avs. Okay. So when you talked about Guliev, when do you think there's a realistic timeline for him to come over? Um, well, his contract goes till 2025. Oh, so, um, which I mean, it's only two years. He's yeah, 18, I guess it so, is 2023. Holy shit. Um, so yeah, he's 18. You just kind of let it play out. I guess for him, I would say you want to get him over sooner as quick as you can, because I, I mean, I can't remember the last time Russia developed a good defenseman in the KHL. <laughs> like it's been a long time. So if you can get him to North America as quickly as possible, I think you want to do that. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of the quiet part out loud with some of the 
Russian defenseman the last couple of years. But recently, Evan, about two months ago, you did a fantastic film room series on Kovalenko and looking at a lot of his footage in the KHL, looking at his playmaking and looking at his more physical style. Uh, based on a lot of what you've seen, how would you describe Kovalenko's overall play style? And when the Avalanche eventually do bring him over this season, uh, what can we expect and where can we see him try to, to fit in? Uh, well, I think I said... You know, best case scenario, I think for him is Lekkonen. Um, But I think it's important to note that Lekkonen, up until last year, never scored twenty goals. So, um, if you get a if you get a good third line player out of Kovalenko, I think you're really happy because he was a six round pick, and the last time the Az developed a six round pick into anything was, I can't I can't even remember the last it's time. Been it's been a long time. Could have been Radom Verbata back in the '90s, for all I know. So, um, if you get a third line player out of him, you're very happy. If he comes anything more, you're you're ecstatic. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I see. He's a third line player. He's got skill. Um, it's just, I, I'm not sure. I'm not super confident that all that skill is going to translate to the NHL right now. If he does that again this year and maybe improves that even strength, then I'm going to feel a lot more confident. But it's like I said, it's really everything else that he does that gets you excited because he can do a little bit of everything, and that's where his value in the NHL is going to come in. Because if he's not scoring he can still help the team in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I th- I think when we talk a lot about like Russian players coming over to the NHL, we look at the good examples like Kaprizov and Panarin and more recently of Andre Kuzmenko. We forget that a lot of the times there can be a lot of busts in that category mm-hmm. as well. But one of the things you bring up about Kovalenko that I really like is that he has a lot more of those other uh skill sets for NHL competition when it comes to playing the body, when it comes to to playing physical and not just being like skill is great and skill. You want players that are skilled, but that's not entirely what his game relies on because the KHL is is very different from the NHL. It's it's a fantastic league, but it's not the NHL. They don't play the same style over there. But just based on what I've seen that Kovalenko at least has the the ability to transfer some of his talent to the NHL. Yeah, and we talk about the KHL when last time they've developed a defenseman. Like, if you watch him, you can see why. Like, there's just not – it's not the greatest defensive hockey in the world. So that's why transferring those KHL numbers right to the NHL doesn't always work. Um, but again, he, he just does a lot of things that I think Jared Bednar is really going to like. Um, and it, it, he, ve- he, he very much plays a North American hockey style. I'll say that. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I'm excited about it just because it's it's a, it's one of those things where it's like a toy you haven't been able to, to see yet. And then it's like you get all the hype about it coming over and you think it's going to be really good. But I think everyone sitting here on the Zoom is kind of like, yeah, if he can be just a solid NHL player, that's all we need. We, we don't expect him to be a Kuro Kaprizov. Uh, I still really liked on Kuzmenko's game. I wish the Avs could have got him at the deadline <laughs> last year because I really liked his game. But I wanted to to kind of spin it a little bit. Um, I think really the thing that's kind of left overhanging for this Avs team, this rest of this offseason, is what's the contract situation looking like for Devon Taves? It's, it's a really interesting contract to look at because Devon Taves, ever since he's gotten to Colorado, has been a top 15 NHL defenseman. He's been one of the best. What are your thoughts on a, like, what is a potential contract he could get? Ooh, it, well, it seems to go up by the day when you it see does. some of these contracts yeah. getting signed. Um, I mean, what Vince Dunn just got almost seven and a half million, which slightly different contract, but 
Um, you look at Devontae's like if if he hits the market, like is it really unrealistic to think some team could pay him nine million dollars? Yeah. Just defensemen like him don't hit the market very often. So um it is gonna be fascinating to watch because I, I do think the Avs want to re-sign him. Um I don't think they want to trade him by any means. Uh when you're trying to win, you're not gonna try to trade, you know, your second best defenseman. Um and you know, I know that they have Bowen Byram, but until Bowen Byram stays healthy over the course of a full year, you can't just assume that he's going to replace uh, Devontae's right when you're in the middle of trying to win the Stanley Cup. So um, it is a fascinating situation, and I think they're going to do everything they can to resign him because um, he's he's he'll be 30 when his new contract kicks in, but he's not like an old 30 because he didn't make it to the NHL until he was 25. So I think he's still got, you know, I would say three to four years of still being a really, really good defenseman. Um, and then after that, it drops off, but that's kind of the risk you're taking anyways right. in this, when you're in the middle of a, a cup, like a cup situation here. So you try to sign them. They, you saw with Landy, they, they, they gave him eight years and they didn't really want to, but they're like, well, we can't lose this guy. And they got a cup out of it. And I think they're going to try to do what they can with taste to, to keep him around. It's just it's one of those ones where we've seen this story before when you sign a sign an older guy to a long term contract, especially defenseman, and the minutes Devontae is going to have in his body. I, I just find that contract situation fascinating because there's no question about it. For these next five years, he's going to be great, but after that, what's that's going to be? And you bring up that point of you don't think the Avs would consider trading him, but at the same time, do you let him walk for free at the end of the summer? That's kind of the interesting part. Yeah, and uh, that might be a risk they're willing to take just because they're in the middle of this. Like, how do you explain to Nathan McKinnon yeah, or Miko Ren or Akel McCarr that we're we're going to trade Devon Taves, you know, right when you guys are in your prime? Like, I just don't know how you do it. So, um, yeah, I just think they're going to push to sign him. The cap, everyone expects it to go up the next two years. Um, beyond. Taves, you got ranting in in two years yep. that you got to deal with. So it's just never ending, but that's kind of the, that's why being a GM is not easy. Yeah. And that's what sucks about it. I, I miss the days when the NHL didn't have a salary cap and the abs just spent more money than anyone else on the face of the planet. <laughs> those were good times. I miss those days because it, it is, it's just one of those things. And I know Griffin and I've had some conversations about the Devon Taves thing. And it was like, you don't want to trade him, but the smart thing to do would be to trade him, but you also piss off every one of your players if you're trading your second best defenseman away for probably not a great return in the end of it. Right. And when you're trying yeah. when you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, is trading Devon Tays gonna get you closer to that, even if it does net you stuff for the future? And the answer is probably not. Probably not. Yeah, and if you look at the rest of the defense, like Manson getting older gets hurt a lot. Byram hasn't stayed healthy. Makar misses games every year. Like Taves and Gerard are the two guys that are usually pretty healthy. And if you trade those guys, trade one of them, then you're, you know, you're taking a big risk there. Not only just, you know, in the locker room, but on the ice. So it's, it's a tough decision. I just, I think he's become such a big part of this team and the leadership core. I just don't know, you know, I, I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they're just going to take a really good run at signing him and hope that they can figure that out. Yeah, because in like an ideal world, if you could sign him for like five years, seven point five to eight million, I think that's like the dream scenario. I don't think there's a chance in the world Devontae's agent would let him sign that, but that'd be a dream scenario for the Abs, I think. 
I think it starts with eight. That that would just be my guess at the very least. And this is where like a contract like Kovalenko's comes really in handy. Like you need to find these guys on entry level yeah. deals for nothing. So Yeah, and uh, going back to Kovalenko really quick, like we're talking about where the at are they gonna sign anyone else who's gonna make that spot. Do you think for whatever reason they can keep that spot open for Kovalenko, or do you think they just they can't afford to to wait that long with Goomer talking? March and April. I mean, they could. Um, I'd be surprised if they didn't make an addition, but they could realistically do that. The, the one thing you have to keep in mind um, is that because they're dipping into this LTIR money, they're not going to accrue any cap space during the year. So what they have is kind of what they have. So when Kovalenko eventually comes over, his, you know, whatever that is, 900K, it's going to be prorated by the time he shows up. So it's not going to take up a chunk of the cap, but you do have to kind of account for that when he shows up. Um, so they really don't have a ton of cap space to like maybe make a big splash, but they, I, I think they're going to try to go out and find some help somewhere. Um, I don't think that they're just going to sit still here. I think if, if they make a move like they did with Evan Rodriguez, like three days before training camp last year, like that wouldn't surprise me at all. Cause these guys, there's just not money out there. Like somebody, some of these guys are going to have to settle at some point and the abs are waiting that out. Yeah, like, do you think a, a Thomas Tatar would take a, a $2 million contract at this point in the offseason? Like, he, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had 50 points or 49 points last season. He didn't do very well in the playoffs. But if you're Tatar, you prop, you're almost expecting a larger contract. But would you settle for $2 million at this point if you go to the Avs, who are pretty much going to be selling a chance to win a Stanley Cup? That's the question. I mean, he's going to have to make that decision because he could go, you know, he could probably go play in Anaheim and make a good chunk of money, but he's not going to win. So it's just a decision he has to make. Um, I think, you know, like we talked about Suter, Danton Heinen's another guy who's been pinched out for two straight years in Pittsburgh and signed for pretty cheap. Like there's guys out there that are going to have to sign for less than they maybe thought they were. Um, And I think the league, these players are hoping that next year when the cap goes up, this kind of stops, but this is the one thing the Avs can take advantage of this year and other teams I'm sure are going to try, but that's, this is where the Avs are going to kind of sniff around for the next month. Hey everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN to bet $5 and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or, fit or visit www.1800gambler.net all games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut help is available for gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org 21 plus in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction see draftkings.com sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance one boost per game eligible opt-in required max bet 50 
10-leg reg for 100% boost eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash baseball terms. Now, back to the episode. Uh, yeah, I just find that super, super interesting. Um, what is like, you were around the team a lot last year. Do you think that the season, like, was it a surprise to you of how the season ended with just kind of that, the way that the it was just McKinnon, Rantanen carrying them in the playoffs? Was that surprising to you at all? Do you think fatigue finally caught up with this team with how many games they played? Like, you were around the team a lot. What, what were your kind of thoughts on how the season ended? Uh, I wasn't surprised that they just kind of ran out of gas. I thought yeah. they would get through the first round. Um, but I wasn't surprised that it kind of came to an end like that. And if you, you know, if you go back and listen to McKinnon's locker room, uh, interview in the after game seven, like you could tell he was like, yeah, we were just kind of like, we knew we could only hold on for so long. So, um, it's not a surprise. I think they were gassed. Like if you look at the off season that they had, the season ended almost in July when they won the cup. And then the, the NHL wanted to get back on track after COVID. So it kind of started early again. So they just didn't get much of an off season injuries all year. Like I just think eventually it was going to catch up to them and it did. Um, I was just more surprised that they couldn't get past that first round. And ultimately you think with the moves they've made this off season that they've addressed some of those weaknesses bringing in, like we've talked about with Wood, Colton, Johansson, Druan, and potentially whoever else they're going to bring in, do you think they're starting to be able to avoid another fate like that this season? Um, I like that they have, that McFarland has not been afraid to make some changes here, that he's changed up the the forward core pretty significantly um, because it needed it. Like it, they could have sat still. They could have said, hey, you know what? We were tired. Um, we have the guys. We just, you know, we need an off season to kind of recover. But he said, no, we want to change it up. They're changing the makeup. They're getting a little grittier, getting a little bit bigger. Um, so I, I, I do like what they've done. It's going to be, you know, it's just a matter of kind of Johan- a lot of hinges on Johansson. Um, but I do like what they've done and how they've addressed kind of the summer here. Yeah, I'm, I'm more like the Johansson part just worries me just because it's. You just don't know. Like you said, he had one good year, but other than that, the other couple of years in Nashville were pretty much nothing. And the fact that Barry Trotzler gave him away for nothing and half retained tells you a little bit about it, right? Yeah, I mean, Barry Trotz gave away a couple of guys for nothing this year. Yeah. So it, the, the way they went about their offseason was pretty interesting. But yeah, it, I mean, it was smart for the Avs to basically look at the free agent market and say, okay, well, we don't really like any of these guys. We can get this guy for nothing. It's like signing him to a two-year, eight million dollar deal. Like yeah. that's essentially how you have to look at it because they got him for nothing. So, um, would I rather do that than give JT Comfort five by twenty-five or whatever he got? Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, I would have rather taken the chance on Johansson, but both have risks, and we're going to kind of see how it works out. Because I think the biggest risk for me is how is Johansson going to fit on a team that likes to skate um, when skating has never really been his forte. Yeah, exactly. When and Christian, go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. I was okay. just finishing my sentence on. Yeah, and Johansson, he's definitely gonna be one of the most interesting things to watch. I ultimately like a lot of the moves that they've made. I still agree with you, Evan, that's kind of an, an unfinished product at the moment. Still a couple more moves need to be made. But when you look around uh the league this offseason, uh what other team, especially if we can focus on the West, what team in the West do you think had the best offseason and could uh be a, a threat for the abs this upcoming season? 
it's really hard not to look at Dallas and just say, I mean, they made it to the conference finals and they got Matt Duchesne for nothing. Like that's a good team. And they, they got a good player for essentially nothing. So I think they're going to be the, the team to deal with. Um, I think LA adding Dubois is interesting, but I don't know. I just don't know about their goaltending. Like <laughs> Cam Talbot is your number one. Like we just saw how that worked out for Ottawa last year. So um, the West is once again, going to be very interesting. No teams blew me away last year. Um, so yeah, I mean, Vegas has just kind of stayed the course. They had to trade uh, Riley Smith for nothing to get rid of him to get to save some cap space. But yeah, I mean, Dallas, I would say is probably the team to team to beat in the West as far as, you know, the abs competition. Yeah. I mean, you look around the central, it's kind of the abs and the stars at the top. The wild are probably still in that playoff contention, but when you when you look at a lot of the other teams here, it just it doesn't seem as strong as it used to be over the last couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, I will say I think Winnipeg did well in the trade return uh, for Dubois, but they still have the the Hellebuck situation looming over their heads, so it's just ticking time bomb with that team because they, you know, once they trade him, they're in trouble. Yeah, there's just there's so many questions around the central right now. I mean, Arizona seems like they're on the up, especially if they're bringing over Logan Cooley, they could be very fun this year. The Blackhawks are obviously getting Bedard, but it just seems like it's kind of a, a process and it's still very much wide open outside of the stars for the Avs to kind of continue the domination they've been showing over the last few years. Yeah, I agree. What are your thoughts on Bedard? You think he's going to be everything that people are saying he's going to be? Um, well, I talked to a couple of scouts who, you know, they're they don't put him at McDavid's level, but they put him probably around like Austin Matthews level. So that's still pretty good. Um well it's, yeah, that's still really good. So <laughs> a, he's gonna bum, right? Yeah. yeah, he he's he's gonna be an issue to deal with in the central division. Um I think it's really interesting what Chicago's done with him. I, I getting him Taylor Hall, I think was a great move to get him a winger that he can play with right away. Um, so yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think they know they're not going to be good. Once you look at their defense and goaltending, they're not going to be good, but they are <laughs> going to at least be probably be pretty fun to watch this year because of him and some of the other forwards they brought in. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you're looking at it, who is, um, you already said the stars, but do you think that the abs with what they've done, they can get back to the Stanley cup final, uh, this year? Um, I, I think they, they might need to make a move or two to get back there to make me feel a little bit more comfortable just because I still, you know, I don't love Jack Johnson as the sixth defenseman. Oh, come on. Adam, uh, Jack Johnson's the man. <laughs> Did you not see that contract that Jay Fresh said he signed? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah the 327 million supermax. <laughs> he left some money on the table. With yeah. yeah. But I think if they could find a, like another defenseman to round out the blue line. Um, and also because just like I said earlier, they have some injury prone guys on defense. Um, so if they could find somebody to kind of round out the blue line, push JJ down to that seventh role where I think he'd be tremendous. Um, I'd really love that. And then also I, th- I do think they need another forward. So um, I think they're going to be up there in the West. It's just the, the contending. You never know in the NHL, these teams, I mean, Aiden Hill won the Stanley cup last year, who the heck really <laughs> knows anymore. So um, I think they're going to be better. One of the better teams in the West, but I wouldn't say they're a slam dunk Stanley cup contender right now in my eyes, but okay. When you have McKinnon and McCarr and Ranton in, I think you can do anything. Yeah, I, I'm. I've been squatting on the day. I think McKinnon's going to win the MVP this year. I think he's taking home the heart. I think we're going to see just a 
an unreal season from him and he's actually going to play all 82 games. And I think there's an outside chance he gets 50 goals. I do. Um, I, I think that's kind of the where I'm sitting right now because he, he strikes me as a guy who uh, was not very happy with how the season ended. And uh, he, I think he's going to come out and just go crazy next year. Yeah. And if he's going crazy, how do you trade Devon tapes? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Exactly. Um, exactly. But yeah, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all the way he ended the season. He was probably, I mean, beyond McDavid, he was the best player in the world past January 1st. Completely. I saw some list put him at like fourth best player. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> they said his defensive very, metrics were terrible. <laughs> you find some very strange lists sometimes, Christian. You you Dude, like it's TikTok, you go to, man. You go it's to the TikTok. dark web. You go to the yeah, dark it, web. To try yeah, it's TikTok. Stuff. What do you expect? Yeah. Um but Evan, who do you think is the favorite in the East right now? Oof. In the East. I don't know. Like if New Jersey had a goalie, I would really love that oh, team. Yeah. I just I think they're a lot of fun to watch. I just don't. Their goaltending is like a. And I don't know why I keep talking about goaltending because you just never know. Like, right. that's the thing. Vegas went down to what, five goalies last year and yeah. they still won the Stanley Cup. So, um, and I always, I, I've bet on Carolina for years and they've never gotten it done. But I, I, I like what they've done again this summer. I think the Orlov move was super smart um, to go out and add another great defenseman for two years that you can afford. Um, I don't think any of the Carlson stuff makes sense for them. I, I don't know why they're linked to all that yeah. stuff. And we've already seen Carlson and Burns not work together. So um, I think Carolina is right up there too. So those are probably my two teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, everything's just wide open again. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting. Just, I, I want Buffalo to be good so bad. And I want them to be like a contender. Cause I think Buffalo is just, they're building a monster over there. And if Devin Levi can turn into the goalie that people think he can be, I think that's the last step they really need to get over that hump. Cause we saw what Darlene did. We've seen what Thompson's turned into. I really like Casey Middlestad last year a lot too. Um, I think Buffalo is one of those ones. They may be like two years away, but that team scares the hell out of me, but I'm also super excited for them to be good. Yeah. And Ottawa has been my team. So oh, I liked Ottawa I mean, a lot too. It's the same thing with both those teams goaltending and if they can just get enough defense because like you talk about Tate, I love Tim Stutzel. I think he's awesome. Oh, so yeah. I just Ottawa's fun to watch and you know, I'm interested to see how that goes. But Boston lost a lot of guys this year. So yeah. I think there might be some movement in the East in the playoff situation this year. Yeah, everything just seems so wide open, not just in the East and the West as well. It's just it seems like coming up is gonna be one of the most open seasons we've seen in a while but uh evan we really appreciate you coming on and joining us for today do you want to finish with what you think you'd be your your hottest take for the avalanche going into the coming season (laughs) uh hottest take i will i mean i'll say ross colton scores 25 i love Um, that just because i I think he's i think he's going to move around the lineup a lot and it wouldn't surprise me if he plays that bumper spot on the first power play so cool. I, like I hadn't heard I'll that say, one yet. I'll say 25 for Ross Colton. I like right. that a lot. He's got that nasty slap shot too. I could definitely see that. that Griffin, would've... let's give ours just so Evan can make fun of us. Go for yours. <laughs> well, see, I didn't prepare mine, Christian. Give, <laughs> give me a second to think about it. Go yeah, my, mine is that I don't know if it's even that hot. I think McKinnon wins the, wins the heart. And I, I think he makes a serious push for um, like 
reclaiming that number two spot because no one's going to pass McDavid. But I, I really think McKinnon's going to play all 82 games. And I guess my other hot one is I think Georgiev is going to win the Vesna. I, I think what we saw from him last year with some competent defense, like not competent, but like a healthy defense in front of him. I like my chances with Georgiev winning the Vesna. I really think it's a possibility. I'm a, I'm a big Georgiev fan, so I, I could I could see that. I think Av's defense kind of gets held against them in some situations yeah, like stupid. that. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> that happens a lot with this team, doesn't we? Just have so many good players that we just can't win any awards. If I have to give a hot take, I, I think Bo Byram has a healthy season. That's gonna be mine. <laughs> that's unfortunately that is a hot take. Yeah, so hopefully past, that's gonna be a hot take, and it will be spectacular. I'd I'd say Byram finishes. He'll be on Norris ballots. I don't think he'll be in the race, but when you get to the end and that award comes out, I think he's going to be on a couple, maybe a couple, just like a couple points, nothing major, but I think he'll be on a few. Wow. At that point, you're, you feel a little bit better if you lose taste for nothing, I guess. Yeah. Cause what, just one last thing. What did you think about that Byron contract? Did you think it was right around what you thought he was going to get? Uh, Yeah, it was about, I think maybe a little bit more, but it, it, it was about what I thought. I mean, I don't know how you would have been able to come to an agreement on a long-term deal with Byram based off of such a small sample size. Um, It just is such a huge risk that it makes, it makes sense for both parties. Cause I think if you're Bo Byram, you're probably sitting there saying, well, if I stay healthy, like I can make a lot more money. Like I'm just going to bet on myself staying healthy for two years and making bank in two years. Yeah. It's still not a bad paycheck to get for the next two years either as a 22 year old kid. Yeah. So that, that contract made sense to me. Okay. Just oh. wouldn't have been a lot of framework there. But Evan, again, thank you so very much for joining us today. If you want to take a second to, to plug all of your work and let everyone know where they can find your excellent stuff, please feel free to go right ahead. Uh, Yeah, I'm on Colorado Hockey now. We're still plugging along. Just never ends with the summer. Um, I'd kind of hinted at it. They got the Drew in. I'm going to do film rooms for all the new guys. Okay. Um, I'm just starting with Drew in just because I thought it'd be interesting. And I'm hoping to have that up either uh, Thursday when this is probably coming out or Friday. So I got all the video, just a matter of, you know, cleaning my eyes after watching seven Montreal games. And <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. You started there. at the bottom and now you'll get to watch better and better teams for all that's, the new guys. Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll go to Nashville next then. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll slowly keep, slowly keep working our way up. But Evan, again, yeah, we really appreciate you joining us today and hope to, hope to see you again sometime soon. Yeah. Anytime. All right. Thanks, Evan. We'll see you later. And thanks once again to Evan for joining us on this episode of the Teledabs of His Podcast. Just always so much fun to have on. Just one of my favorite interviews. It's just always one of those things where it's like, we talk about this with every guest we have, but it's like when you actually talk to someone who is smarter than you when it comes to hockey, and I'm I'm not saying I'm stupid when it comes to hockey, but there's different levels to, right. there's, to there's, the there's intelligence a certain, There's hockey. a certain point where it's like, we we know hockey. We've been yeah. around hockey. We watch a lot of hockey. We consume a lot of hockey content. Evan makes that stuff that I yeah. read most of the time. He's there. He's around the players. He just knows more than us at the end of the day. And he's also a little better at articulating it, which is. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a lot better at articulating it than us, but it, we went on that tangent, like seven minutes in, like trying to find the, yeah, we did. I forgot about <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying, man. Like my brain just wanders. And then he's telling me about the Montreal media. And I'm like, yeah, it's a good point about like uh, how the media affects players. And it's like, dude, we weren't, that wasn't on what we were trying to talk about. Get back on fucking track. Um, 
but that's just where our squirrel brains go. Like, I think we both like we both have ADHD and it's just. It's oh, just do, oh do I ever. And it doesn't help. That it's like 10 o'clock for me. Yeah. It's yeah. Been, you know, you're at work for 10 hours. You come back, have to take some notes for an hour, hop right back on here. Your brain is doing uh, it's doing pong back and forth. Yeah. Well, and I really liked what he had to say about Kovalenko, too, because the first I heard of Kovalenko was from Evan on Colorado Hockey Now. And it's like, oh, it's cool. And it just kind of reassures the fact that you're you're not expecting the world from him, but you're expecting a solid NHL player. Yeah, it seems like the consensus I'm generally getting on Kovalenko and now kind of reinforced by Evan is that this is an NHL player. The Avalanche come March or April are going to be adding a decent NHL player to their lineup without having to give up any assets. A guy they drafted in the sixth round five years ago. And maybe he can be a top six guy in the future. But right now, seems like a guy like Evan said, you set him and forget him on the third line and he's going to give you pretty decent results. And I love the idea of that line of Wood, Colton, and Kovalenko, that, that's going to be a, a very tough line to play against. Yeah. And like we were talking about with the depth conversation, a line that is a threat to score and drive play. It's exactly what we've been saying all offseason. And I know you got a little excited when you said maybe Tarasenko signs a one-year, $2 million deal. I know you – I saw the look in your eye. I saw the look in your eye. I smiled a little bit for those of you trying to picture my my disembodied voice. I smiled a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, as always great to have Evan on. Um, but there was like abs news that actually happened before we record the show. And that's yeah. just crazy. And we, we when, does that that up, when does that ever happen? Never. That stuff Never. breaks before the show on the day of the show. And we don't have to wait four days to talk about the relevant news. Ben Myers signs his contract. I mean, it's obviously the most exciting news we've been anticipating yeah. the Ben Myers contract, but he did sign it. One year at $775,000 league minimum. And we can have the Ben Myers conversation. He got better as the season went on last year. He had like the one super lucky goal against Minnesota, like three games in. I still don't think that was his goal. I just, who even knows? <laughs> who even knows with that one at that point? That was one of the, the flukiest goals I've seen, but they all killed at the end of the day. And then after that, he went several games pointless but i didn't think he looked terrible when he was playing then it starts to catch up with him towards the end of the season he scores a pretty nice goal against the sharks i believe and manages to net four by the end of the year going up and down between the nhl and the ahl and in the ahl last year he was was pretty good he had 24 points in 30 games he had six goals it seems like we've had this conversation before on ben myers when we were trying to kill time on other episodes but i'm fine with ben myers earning a spot on the roster this season. I'm not entirely comfortable penciling him in for one right now, but if he goes into training camp in the preseason and leaves, no doubt that's different because he might grow his game a lot this offseason. We've seen that before with guys. Yeah. I mean, we're not expecting anything of Ben Myers other than a fourth line role. That yeah. That's what Ben Myers is. And there's a lot of fourth liners who have had very long, successful NHL careers being a fourth liner. Look at Andrew Cogliano. Like that's, that's the way it works. So I'm not anticipating anything crazy. I, I think he's going to be on the opening night roster. I really do. I think he's going to be the fourth C is, is kind of pen, not penciled in, but that's my guess right now is fourth line center. But I completely agree with you is if you have a four C by committee, is that as bad as just having an entrenched four C or do you not mind the four C committee? 
Yeah, I think it'd be perfectly fine to have a 4C committee. I would still prefer to go and sign a veteran for fourth line center, whether that is Paul Stastny or like Evan said, Pia Sutter, I think would be an interesting option for them as well. I think I think with Myers is that he had his chances last season. It just it really wasn't until the last month that he finally started to get some of those to actually go into the net. If he can find more consistency, I don't know if it's this season, but I think there is a future for him in the NHL. Oh, yeah. But I just don't know with where the abs are at right now that you can really look at what Myers did last year and fully bank on him being a even 50 to 60 games played guy this season like just I think you'd feel more comfortable with him as an extra forward and if if he starts the season in the press box instead of completely sent down to the AHL then I think that would be a a small victory from him if he's able to beat out Olafson or something like that for that extra forward spot I mean obviously you want him to be playing games but even if he can just find a way to stick around the NHL roster I ultimately think that would be a victory for him this year. Oh yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a big contract. Like yeah. it's literally, it's literally as small as it can feasibly get. Yeah. So I'm cool with it. We'll see what happens with it, yeah. but it, it is one of those interesting ones. You got to figure out that second line or second line center. That's just force habit to say that fourth line well, I mean, center. You, you rewind to December. I mean, that might've actually been yeah. two C, but really when you look at this move, the most notable part about it is that it's, the last move the Avs technically had to make this offseason were signing Ben Myers. After that, they have all their RFAs signed. Obviously, all their UFAs have signed elsewhere, signed back here. So as it stands right now, the Avs have done the bare minimum this offseason. And right now they have just a hair over $2 million left in cap space right now. And like we talked about with Evan, they're going to use that. Oh, yeah. they're not a team that's just not going to spend to the cap. But now you also do have to keep in the back of your mind that you might have Kovalenko coming at some point. And one thing that I needed to be reminded of is that cap space does not accrue when you're using LTIR. And so with Landeskog sitting on LTIR, yeah, that gives us $7 million, but you can't bank any of that. The cap space you see right now is the one you are going to have come the trade deadline. So you're not you're not going to see you're probably not going to see a ton of those paper transactions this this season where you you're sending a Ben Myers down for a day and just having him play the next night because there's just not going to be a lot of point. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like that's where the LTIR like it's so fucked up, but like at the same time like Gabriel Landeskog's actually hurt. Like this isn't Matt Murray. Like Matt Murray was cleared to play in the playoffs this year, and then Matt magically. When the Leafs uh, run out of all options with their cap space, he's done for the year. You know? Yeah, it's like he's actually hurt. So why are the Avs being penalized for a player who actually had season-ending surgery? I mean, I don't know if it's being penalized, but I mean, it's not. But it just sucks that you can't accrue the cap space for something that I mean, they can't control. Technically, you accrued seven million dollars in cap. True, space, but yeah, it's, it's just frustrating. Yeah, it's, it's like it's annoying. When a player's actually hurt and it's like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just one of those things. That, maybe that's just the Leafs did that, and I wouldn't have that mentality if if the Leafs just didn't do that with Matt Murray today. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of looking at that. Like, you look at the ones that have been done in the past. Kucherov, you're, you're raising your eyebrow at, and you look at Vegas with Mark Stone and everything. At least Mark Stone was in season. Like, at least that he played in the season. But now it's it's just looking like teams like, yeah, we don't we don't have any cap space and we don't know how to get out of it. Um, you're hurt. 
Yeah. You're done. You're, it's it's we, the middle of July. We've been out of the playoffs for well over two months at this point, and have had plenty of time to determine if he was not going to be available. But now that we've made all of our moves and we're nine million bucks over the cap, and we can't trade you, and we don't want to buy you out, um, you're just you're fine not playing, right? We'll still pay you to not show up to work. It's just great because I the part that was confusing to me is Ottawa still has to pay like they don't get the cap relief from that. Ottawa right. still has to pay for that, which is crazy. So yeah, it's just one of those things. The LTIR like it's one of those points. Like if your team's not doing it, it's your fault. Right. It's just it's it's starting to get to that point. Like I I the Mark Stone one feels different because like he genuinely had back surgery in February right. and like actually had a timetable that was around the play i'm not going to say that he was just magically better for game one of the playoffs i'm not just going to say that's a coincidence he probably could have came back earlier at least he was actually hurt right kucherov we can raise our eyebrows at that still but it's been over two and a half years three two and a half years at this point but it seems like we're kind of now reaching a point where teams are just like yeah we don't want to actually work we're not going to do business or anything or actually be smart with our cap. Oh, you've, you have an injury history. Yeah. Your career is over. Mike Smith, Matt Murray, you know, Mike, isn't Mike Smith like still have a contract. Isn't yeah. Still under contract with the Oilers. Yeah. Definitely? And they still have, they're paying someone else too. Who hasn't played in forever. I'm uh, blanking on his name. He was Clef that big Bomb? dude. Yeah. Oscar Clefbaum. Yeah. I don't actually is. I don't know if, um, I don't know if, Mike Smith is still on there. I think it was just for last season that he yeah. might have been on there. And I think Clefbaum, I don't think he's there anymore. I don't think they're still counting against the cap for him now. But they were there. Yeah. And that was just so strange. Last, Like, the, the Avalanche beat the Oilers in the Western Conference file, which Mike Smith played the entire playoff. Did, did we even have the cup yet when they announced that Mike Smith would not play next year? Just magically career over? I don't know. Because it Cause wasn't. Even if it wasn't, it wasn't that long afterwards no. that he played a full season and a full playoff run. And they're like, yeah, Mike Smith can just never play ever again. Yeah. It was like with Shea Weber too. Like Shea Weber was like, he played the cup final. And he's like, yeah, I can't play anymore. That that one, it's kind of like his body was literally falling apart. Yeah. At least Mike Smith, like he seemed fine. It's also. Is, is Hosa finally off the, the Coyotes book? if he is it's probably not even going to make a difference with the amount of guys they have on there i think he is right now yeah, the, guys he, they, he, the guys they have on their injured reserve are for a check shea weber and brian little respect yeah i mean hosteleri had to retire because he became allergic to his own gear yeah that one was weird yeah it was just like yeah suddenly i'm allergic to my jersey yeah yeah that was crazy and um, like it's so crazy that i kind of believe it yeah, no, like that 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 is a very elaborate lie if that's yeah. a lie. Cuz like if you're lying about that, that's just so out there. Like how yeah. who came up with that? That's that's such an incredible lie that yeah. you know no one else can ever use it again. It, it's respect at that time. Is we're going down a wormhole. We we need to wrap this episode cuz we already did an hour with Evan. Um I wonder if Brian Bickle's still being paid by Carolina. There's probably a whole bunch of yeah. contracts just sitting around the league right now. I don't think Bickle is. I don't see him on here. Yeah, because I remember he played like that last game and he scored the shootout goal. And then he never played again because he had a heart condition, if I remember right. 
that sounds like right. that. Yeah. My, like that. my favorite one right now is that the lightning are paying Brent Seabrook still. I did see that. That one cracks me up. That one makes me laugh. That one's funny because somehow the lightning get benefit from that cap wise. <laughs> like I, I cannot for the life of me fully understand LTIR other than player goes on LTIR, you get cap space, but only sometimes. Right. Then also you can take other teams LTIR and somehow that helps. You. Yeah. It's very weird, dude. It's very, 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 very strange to say the least. Yeah. yeah. But let's uh let's wrap the show. Um other big hockey news, Patrice Bergeron retires. I found that hilarious because I think on literally the episode on Monday, I was like, Patrice Bergeron's coming back. <laughs> I, think <laughs> He's coming back. Say, I think you did say exactly. I think I said Bergeron's probably going to retire. It's like, well, I think we had the conversation. It was like, how can you retire after that? Yeah. That I, I'm like 90% loss. sure I said something like that. And uh, he retires literally yesterday. Yeah. So um, one of the like, do you think he'll be? he's obviously like an all-time brewing grade he's one of the greatest defensive forwards of all time but like where do you rank him in players of his own era because I, I don't even know where you would rank him well the thing like i don't even think that part of it matters i think he is very clearly the best defensive forward of his era and he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer and i think it's Ooh, you think first um, ballot Oh, he's making it his first try. Yeah. That guy got on every single Selkie ballot. The second he's going to be up, he's going to be everyone, everyone in the media. They're throwing him first thing. The moment okay. he's available, Bergeron's going into the Hall of Fame. Whether you agree or not, no matter who you are, that's yeah. just what's going to happen. And it's going to be it's going to be the same thing with Marc-Andre Fleury, with guys who are just like so universally beloved. It's like you don't really have the conversation. You just throw them in there and i think bergeron deserves it i mean when you look at his level of consistency throughout his entire career and dominance on both ends of the ice being the consensus best defensive forward of his generation i think we reached a point where it was just like how many games are the people voting on this ward really watching and how many of them are just putting bergeron on there because they feel like they should he, but the thing is, he genuinely did deserve it most of the time. And the fact that he stayed as dominant as he was literally until the end with him, there really was not a drop off with Bergeron. Because what we say last episode, he still had like 27 goals last season and still a very respectable. I don't even remember the, the point total he ultimately finished with. It was like 65, is what we said. Yeah, it was somewhere in that area. It was. It was 58 last year in 78 games, which for a guy who's just like, yeah, I'm done. Probably still had like a good oh, yeah. couple of years still. Like, I just think Patrice Bergeron probably could have realistically played until he was like 50. If <laughs> the way he played, was yeah, very the way simple. he plays, like just how smart he is, wouldn't go anywhere. And just so consistent year over year, basically from the moment he stepped into the league, his sophomore season on, he just, kept doing what he would do year over year won a stanley cup and what six selkies yeah six was it four or six i feel like it was it was six i saw it on the graphic that they tweeted out six selkies i I forget who had the stats so i can't look it up but like he was on 89 percent of all selkie ballots (laughs) since he came into the league and like 48 percent of them had him first yeah that's pretty good it's pretty pretty good play like even yeah. when you, even when he wasn't winning, he was still on them. You know what was crazy to me? I saw that he was only a three-time All Star, 
which is weird. I don't even like, do we count all-star game selections that much? No, we shouldn't, more? but why are they on every graphic when it's like this? That was a three-time all-star. It's like, who cares, bro? <laughs> like, yeah. Out, it, like, it feels like it means way less in hockey than it does in other yeah. sports. Because what's it going to be like? Because does Ovechkin still get an all-star selection when he doesn't go? That's what I mean. Like, there's players who just don't go. One team is forced to have a guy send there. So, like, Seth Jones is going to have that on his resume when he's done. And like, who who was one that went for the Leafs when they sucked a couple of years ago? Was it Tyler Bozak? I think it was. It was him or Van no, Riemsdyk. I think it was was it Leo Komarov got sent to an All Star game? It was Komarov. Yeah. I remember yeah. that because he was he was chatting it up with uh, an Avs player. Yeah, but like that's what I mean. Like it just I think it means way less in yeah. hockey than it does in other sports. But even still, with Bergeron, just I don't think we're going to see that level of consistency, especially on the defensive side of the ice for a long while. There's going to be good defensive players. There's going to be great defensive players. We're just, we're just not going to see that amount of domination like we saw from Patrice Bergeron year over year. And it's just so crazy. Like up until the end, he was the same player. Just there was barely ever a noticeable step back with him. Yeah. One of the best faceoff men of all time too. Yeah. First ballot, first ballot Hall of Famer going to be, I mean, he's going up against some stiff competition with best player of this generation. But when we talk about the Ovechkins and the Crosbys of this era, everyone's going to say, yeah, but remember Patrice Bergeron, how good he was. Yeah, it's just kind of I, I hate that he played for the Bruins because he felt like such a likable guy. But what? the fact he played for the Bruins, I had to hate him. Um, it's just like the kind of guy that you hated that he was on the Bruins. Yeah, you can't hate. Bergeron like, if like Bergeron, that's how I feel that's how I feel about Pasternak now like I really like Pasternak as a player but he plays for the Bruins so I have to hate him right like if Bergeron was an Av he'd probably be one of the most liked players in franchise history yes yes and that'd, that'd be the case for wherever he was I mean Patrice yeah. Bergeron really was just a gold stand I'm not he's not dead why am I saying was he still yeah. is a gold standard human being and just it's so crazy to think that he wasn't even captain for that long because he was, was behind Chara, Chara for so yeah. long for, but like I was saying, like just a model captain as well in the NHL. There's just so many things right about Patrice Bergeron to on and off the ice. It was one of the first retirements that really hit me. I was like, man, these guys are starting to go, aren't they? Yeah. When Ovechkin retires, your brain's going to be fucking melted. It's, it's going to, I don't even don't actually, you know, we're not even going to talk about that. Yeah. We're just going to move on to the next topic. Because that I, that's I how I felt when Derek Jeter retired. I was like, holy fuck, I'm getting old, man. Like, this is crazy. Like, Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg retired early enough where, like, I only saw them for, like, the first 10 years of my life. Jeter I saw all the way through high school. And when he retired, it's like, holy fuck, I'm getting old, man. And, like, that's how I feel with Tom Brady now. Like, I watched Tom Brady's entire career, and now he's just retired. And you're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm getting yeah. old. We're, start, we're starting to get to that point of our lives where our childhood – favorite players are starting to to go yeah. into retirement themselves and it's it's weird it's, it's gonna be even weirder there. when players who are our age right now retire then we're oh, gonna yeah. be like holy fuck we're old <laughs> like, yeah. i wish i could retire at 30 yeah like it's gonna be crazy but shout out patrice bergeron i hate that you played for the bruins but you're an awesome player man and uh enjoy retirement yeah i imagine and... he'll still work for the bruins some some capacity yeah, well, I think they're going to need all the Patrice Bergeron they can get with yeah. uh, this uh, roster that they might be icing this coming. That's going to be great. Pavel Zaka, 1C. Pavel Zaka, number one center. I mean, it's not the worst center depth I've ever seen, but it's not good. 
by any stretch. They lost yeah. a lot of guys this season. I so, mean, they went all in. Like, if, if you're a Bruins fan, you can't say they didn't go all in because they they, they went all in. Like they, they the definition of going all in is what the Boston Bruins did last year. They certainly went all in and didn't work. Yeah, awesome first round. <laughs> not everyone can be the Avs and go all in and just have everything magically work out for them. Then they lost all of it after that. But regardless, I think we're ready to wrap this one yep. up here. Thank you to Evan once again for joining us on this edition of the Tell It Avs It Is podcast. You can use promo code Tell It Avs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter or X... I, I, whatever it's called now it's still twitter right now i'm 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 calling it twitter i'm not going to call it x that is the stupidest name i've ever heard so if you want to follow us on twitter because i haven't updated the app so it's still twitter for me you can follow me at g young's nhl you can follow christian at christian underscore belay and you can follow the show at tell it as it is but again thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time but until then let's go abs <laughs>